Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice with Access to Healthcare. Welcome to our weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on a variety of topics that are of interest to you and your family. Today, we were going to do the topic of Alzheimer's and dementia. But you know what? At the last minute, I've changed it. And our guest today is Dr. Andy Pasternak, a local primary care physician with Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine. Dr. Pasternak is one of our frequent guests. And just a few days ago, I called Dr. Pasternak and I said, instead of doing Alzheimer's and dementia, can we do COVID again? Because his last podcast on COVID was one of our well-listened-to podcasts. But I think we're back in a spot, don't you, Dr. Pasternak, to talk about yeah. the virus? Because it seems like we're back in that, that stage again of almost crisis. Yeah, unfortunately, we are. I was hoping that by fall of 2021 that we would sort of be thinking that some of this would be behind us and we'd be getting back to a little bit of normal. But we are Delta throw, threw us a curve. and. We are now trying to to cope with that and deal with that. So it's 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 frustrating. Um, it's frustrating in the medical community. It's frustrating for the public. Uh, but that's why we're here talking about it. Yep. And we're gonna push this podcast out to everybody that we can possibly think of because today it just feels like we're talking about some increasingly important matters. Let's get down to some basics, Dr. Pasternak. What is a variant? Because it's a Delta variant that we've been hearing so much about. So viruses all mutate, and, and this happens with, with really every, every virus. Uh, you know, viruses are, uh, you know, they're these little strands of, of either DNA or RNA, and they can kind of change their shape their, uh, and, and what they do slightly. And, and typically what happens over the course of a of a virus is um, you'll see some mutations or adaptations of the virus. And in this case with Delta, we have a, a mutation that um, is, the reason why this mutation is working is it's getting more people infected. Um, and so, you know, we're not seeing as much of the, the previous uh, viruses, the, the previous sort of mutations or, or versions of the virus because this one is, uh, doing a, it's it's able to replicate, it's able to get into humans and replicate into humans and spread quicker. So that's that's what we're seeing right now. So a variant can take on different forms. What I mean by that, some may not be quite as contagious, some may not, some are more. And we, the Delta ones happens to be one that is extremely contagious. Is that right? Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we, we've typically use this number and people call it the R naught. The idea behind it's kind of if one person has a virus, uh, how many people can they spread it to? So for things like a cold virus, the number is usually around two or three. Um, you know, with things like uh, measles, we'll see a number up around, you know, 12, 15, 18. Uh, you know, measles is incredibly contagious. Um, and so the R naught are, are sort of the number of people that one person could infect um, with Delta, it's gone up. Um, you know, with the, with the previous versions of COVID, you know, most people were saying the number was around probably three or four. Now we're sort of thinking it's it's probably closer to six to eight people. Oh, for goodness sakes! That's why that's why we're seeing so many unvaccinated uh, people 
getting the Delta, uh, the Delta variant. Let's talk about vaccinated people because, you know, on our last podcast, um, we talked about COVID-19 and getting the vaccine and a lot of people have been vaccinated. And we did that because we felt that it protected us from COVID-19. But now vaccinated people have to wear a mask. Why is that? Well, you know, I think there's a couple things with that. Number one is we are seeing more people who have had, who have been vaccinated. Um, We are seeing more of them getting COVID. Um, And so, you know, part of the thought is, uh, you know, by wearing a mask, you know, people are vaccinated. That's going to give us one layer of protection. Um, But that we also, you know, wearing a mask is going to give us yet another another layer of protection. Um, and you know, and one thing I, I I I've been thinking a lot a little bit about is, you know, when we looked at the initial studies um, of how well these vaccines worked, um, when you really look at it, a lot of those a lot of that those studies, people were still kind of wearing masks back then. Um, you know, and so, you know, this data came out and the vaccines look really, really good. And I think the vaccines are still really, really good. Um, but, you know, I think part of it is, um, you know, right now with us seeing these breakthroughs, it's like, okay, let's use two layers of protection. Let's, you know, mask and, 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 uh, be vaccinated to try to, uh, kind of help get this under control. Well, we, we vaccinated people. And of course, I know you're pro-vaccines. You know I'm pro-vaccines. You and I have both been vaccinated. I think that what happened, um, and I can say for me and probably a lot of people I know, when we got vaccinated, we thought we were home free. And and then we could take our masks off for a little while. And now it's put your mask back on. And now we're seeing that there's a decent percentage of people that have been vaccinated that are getting covid so I think there's a great deal of frustration from the vaccinated people, too, because um, but when you look at it, nobody said you couldn't get COVID if you were vaccinated. What they said is you is that you have a higher percentage of not getting really sick and not winding up in the hospital. Correct. And and that's what really what we're still seeing at this point is that, um, you know, the vaccines are, are uh, you know, the vaccines are effective. They're helping people. Um, you know, we're seeing people not get as sick because they are vaccinated. So it is still very, very important to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Do you think that because there's what are they? They're calling a breakthrough COVID. Um, that if this is happening for vaccinated people, that unvaccinated people will say then the vaccine doesn't work and use it as another reason not to get vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing people come up with all reasons to say that, you know, why they shouldn't get, be able to get vaccinated. And, um, you know, it is frustrating. Uh, I, I, I wish we had uh, a little bit better data. Um, but, you know, the, again, the thing that we tell people is while people are getting sick with COVID uh, who are vaccinated, again, they're getting far less sick. And there is still some good evidence out there that the vaccines do help protect you um, in terms of of getting COVID, that, you know, people who are vaccinated, it's not like they're automatically going to get get the Delta variant. Um, And there, again, there is also some evidence out there that that if you are vaccinated, you're less likely to spread it to people. So, um, 
you know, uh, it, you know, the, some of the efficacy of the data, you know, it, it, it isn't looking quite as optimistic as we were uh, a few months ago, but there is still really good data out there that, you know, vaccinated people are going to be less likely to contribute to spread, less likely to spread it to other people. And again, personally, they're going to get less sick if they get the virus. Mm-hmm. Which I can attest to. I, I got a breakthrough virus about three weeks ago, and I'm, what, 72 years old, but I don't have any comorbidities. But uh, I can attest that um, I wasn't terribly sick. It was uh, uh, like I had a sinus infection and a bad cold and uh, recovered nicely. And I do believe that's because of the vaccine. That's sort of my testimonial on that. But I know that vaccinated people are asking then, Dr. Pasternak, when can we take off the mask? If if uh, the vaccine is is not what somebody would call foolproof, meaning you can still get the uh, COVID-19, then when will we ever be able to take off our masks? Is it when the whole world is vaccinated? Well, I don't know if we have a, a, a good answer for that yet. Uh, you know, again, what I'm sort of telling people at this point is, um, and, and, and I think you and I talked about this a while ago, even, um, is, you know, I'm really looking at what's happening in different communities. And if you're in a community where, you know, the rates are pretty low and the vaccination rates are pretty high, then I'm going to be a little, I will be more confident about not wearing a mask, especially inside. Um, if, you know, uh, if we're in areas like Louisiana, Florida, where they're having these, these massive outbreaks, uh, and I'm in places where I don't know if everybody's been vaccinated, I'm going to be much more likely to, to, to wear a mask. You know, I'm, I'm going to be wearing a mask at this point. So, you know, I think a lot of that is really going to be determined by um, how quickly we can, you know, get get rates back under, um you know, under good control, and, and we're we're far from that right now. Mm-hmm. My understanding is, uh, if I read the CDC guidelines correct, is that if you are vaccinated and you've been exposed to COVID, and you have no symptoms, that you don't need to quarantine. Did I did I interpret that correctly? I, I think a little. Uh, I think a little bit of that depends on the setting. Uh, you know, I know uh, there is some talk of yeah you can just watch symptoms with that um i think now with delta i know some places are starting to tell people hey it's probably going to be a good idea for you to quarantine and maybe you know do a test uh you know three to five days after exposure and if that looks good you don't have to do the full quarantine so i i've seen that from the cdc but i'm also seeing a lot of places you know, really being more conservative and saying, hey, if you get if you get exposed, even if you're vaccinated, take a couple of days off and then maybe, re- t- you know, like I said, get a test done in three to five days to make sure that, that you haven't gotten this. Okay. That's great for me to hear because um, at Access to Healthcare, our policy has been you don't have to quarantine, but I think we're probably going to lean towards that, the three to five day and a negative test, um, because we do have some people that have been vaccinated, that have been exposed. Let's talk about children under 12 years old, five to 12. When do you think that vaccine will be available? They are actively working on that. And I know we have a lot of parents who are uh, incredibly anxious to get their kids vaccinated. Um, Everything I'm 
reading, reading is really saying that we probably still should be seeing that come out, um, uh, you know, probably sometime this fall. Um, I know this, you know, part of the issue is once we get down to, to the vaccine at, in, that, in that age range, uh, we are having to look more at um, uh, the, the, the dosaging is going to be a little bit different, and there's going to be a few other uh, uh, things that we need to be kind of more. Uh, the CDC was going to want to have a little bit more data on. So, um, you know, again, I, I'm hoping that we get some of that data here in the fall, at least to get a uh, to get the EUA um, in that age range. Well, we're if. You know, of course, if our if our access to information is is social media or the news, then what they're talking about more and more is that children are getting the Delta variant, and of course, it's sort of skewed when when mostly what they tell you is how sick children are getting with the Delta variant. So, can you give us some factual information on that? Because we know that misinformation around COVID is just rampant. Right. You know, I I think. In general, kids are still going to have more mild cases uh, compared to adults. I mean, there's, you know, uh, um, but and well, and and, yeah, I mean, kids are going to have more uh, mild cases uh, compared to adults. I think the other thing is that most kids are going to do well with this. But part of the issue is happening is, you know, even if it's only, say, uh, half a percentage of kids are going to uh, are going to get incredibly sick with this. You know, the issue that we're really seeing right now is so many people, uh, so many kids are getting sick that, you know, essentially the math is, even if it's a small percentage, if the absolute number of kids getting COVID is high, that's still going to be a lot of kids. So, you know, we are seeing more kids getting, uh, you know, the, a lot of the, the PEDS hospitals are saying, you know, we're seeing more kids with COVID, kids are getting sick with COVID. Um, you know. Uh, you know, and again, fortunately, these kids seem to be doing okay. We are seeing some deaths, um, but you know, the fact that these kids are having to end up in the hospital is incredibly concerning for all of us. And I think, you know, one of the things I, I think we all want to get kids back in school. We want to try to get kids back to normal. And I think one of the things that we really missed out on is to really do that. We needed to get COVID controlled in our communities. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think unfortunately it, it, you know, it's like having a house in the middle of a in the middle of a forest when there's a wildfire, you know, you can do mm-hmm. all the, you can do all the fireproofing of the house, but if that house is completely surrounded by flames at some point, um, that, that fireproofing isn't going to work. And I think that's what we're seeing now in Florida, you know, Louisiana, Texas, is that it's the, the the rates of COVID in the community are so high that it's you know it's getting into the schools it's spreading into the schools so I you know I wish we could have gone back and, and when we started to see some of the uptick of Delta you know six to eight weeks ago talked to the communities and said hey you know we need your help we need to get the rates down we want to we want to get kids back in school uh, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Well, and you. You uh, do you believe that in school all school age children should wear masks? I know that's hugely controversial, and we've seen in some states uh, governors mandating no masks. I mean, it, it's incredible what's happened with the mask controversy. 
Yeah, it, it's it's hugely controversial. You know, I have some physician colleague friends that uh, are on both sides of this argument. Um, and, you know, these are physicians that I respect and I, I think are, um, are I, you know, I think they're, they're, they're good physicians. For me personally, again, I, to me, it comes back to what is the rate in the community. And I think, you know, uh, in places like Washoe County now, where we're up to, I think we're over 40 cases per 100,000, um, you know, that's at a rate where I'm like, we're seeing this spread through. And, and are masks 100% perfect? Absolutely not. You know, and especially in school age kids, there's all sorts of issues with compliance. But again, you know, when we get back to that, that R naught number that we were talking about of how many people you spread it to, you know, if masks can decrease that by two or three people, you know, so instead of getting eight people sick, you're getting five people sick. Over time, that has some impact on how the, on, on how the virus spreads. So, you know, that's where I really think this comp right now, you know, we're, we do need some sort of combination of that, you know, getting more people vaccinated, using the masks um, to try to just temper that spread as much as possible. Well, what I don't understand on the masks is what the controversy is. I mean, I don't I don't understand what people are upset about putting a mask on. I do understand to a certain degree their the vaccine and that they feel it's experimental, though, Today uh, on our taping, they just CDC just approved the Pfizer vaccine, which we're going to talk about in just a second. What is the issue on the masks? I guess I don't get it, Dr. Pasternak. Why not just put it on? I I think there's a lot of people who are concerned. Uh, well, I I think it's twofold. Number one, I think you know there is some concern about how effective they are, and if something's not effective then you're sort of like, well, why are we doing it? But again, I, you know, most of the people I talk to, most of the research I'm seeing is sh- <clears throat> does show that the masks do help to reduce spread. Um, you know, does that hold as true in the school age population as it does the general population? I think we're still kind of looking at that, but I think there's, there is good evidence that it does help to uh, make, uh, contain spread, um, you know, especially in a general population. And I don't know why it would do the same thing in school. You know, the other concern that I hear from people is, you know, could there be side effects from the masks? Um, you mm. know, some of the data, you know, I hear people say, oh, you know, it's 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 trapping in bacteria, so people are more likely to get sick, um, or, you know, kids aren't able to get oxygen through the mask. And some of that stuff, I think, is just, it's, frankly, there's, there's no validity to it. It's, there's, you know, we have surgeons and anesthesiologists and people who work in the OR who wear surgical masks all day with no medical complications. So, um, and then there's also some concern about, you know, development and, and being able to see somebody's face. And, you know, for kids, mm-hmm. we, we mm-hmm. recognize that, that, you know, there are developmental milestones. Um, but I mm-hmm. think that there are ways, you know, there are some ways to get around some of those things. And, and, and again, if we, if we can get this under control, if we can get the rates low enough for the community, that's where I think we can get the masks off. But that's what we got to focus right. on right now. Right, exactly. Let's talk about the Pfizer vaccine being approved uh, this morning. What is that a, a game changer, do you think? Um, I'm hoping it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we, we, we've had a lot of people, um, you know, we've had a lot of people refer to the vaccines as being experimental, which they're not. They've been approved. 
They've just been approved under a different pathway. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of uh, the people who don't want to get vaccinated. You know, uh, a lot of them were saying, you know, we're waiting for the FDA to fully approve this. Um, I, 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 I'm optimistic that some of those people will have confidence in the FDA and say, okay, if it's approved, I'm okay to use it. Um, you know, these vaccines have been fully approved in Europe for a while now. So, it's, you know, it's not like we're the first country to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what it's really going to allow is it's going to allow employers to, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to make employers feel uh, easier about mandating the vaccines. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the VA system has, has decided that, you know, they're going to require their employees to get vaccinated. I saw the military, you know, now that there's a full approval, I think the military feels more comfortable about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from a from a practical standpoint, uh, you know, I, we have, you know, as someone pointed out, we've given close to five billion doses of vaccine across the world right now. I mean, we have more wow. data on these vaccines. Yeah, uh, I mean, we have more data on these vaccines, not just the Pfizer vaccine, but some of the, you know, all the vaccines combined. So we have incredible amounts of data uh, on these vaccines, but I. I, I do think getting the, the, the FDA approval will help. Uh, like I said, I, I think we'll, we'll probably see more employers, more places say, okay, we have a vaccine that's better pro- fully approved. Now we feel a little bit more comfortable about mandating it. Well, I sure hope so. Uh, let's talk about booster shots. That's very much been in the news in the last few weeks. It went from uh, maybe you need a booster shot to people who are immunocompromised will get a booster shot to everybody within eight months, uh, after eight months, we'll need a booster shot all within the last few weeks. Yeah, the boosters are one, uh, well, for the, let's start with the immunocompromised. So I think for the immunocompromised, you know, we, we sort of, uh, this is sort of a uh, uh, more of an academic exercise. We're not technically referring them to, to them as boosters. In my mind, they're still kind of boosters. I get why everyone's going to refer to them as boosters. Um, but what they're sort of saying is these are people who need a third shot um, because of their immune you know, suppression, that this is sort of part of their their, their initial series. Um, and I do think for that group, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's a fairly small percentage of the population, probably 2 to 3% of the population that qualifies either because they have cancer or they're on certain medications. Um, that reduce their immune system. Um, so I think that that one really makes sense. Um, for the boosters, we're still, uh, I, I will, I will uh, uh, say I am, I am still looking a little bit for the data. I can understand um, why there, people feel like there's a need for the boosters. Really what the idea behind this, this third shot for people, um, you know, eight months out is um, we know with any vaccine, your antibodies do drop a little bit. Um, and we have other vaccines where we kind of have that pattern where we go one shot, you know, we, we give people one shot, we give them a second shot uh, a month mm-hmm. or two later, and then we give them a third shot six, six months later. Um, and, and that sort of pattern, that three shot pattern um, for vaccines tends with that third shot, you tend to get a really, really, um, high uh, sort of antibody titer uh, and response to that. So um, it's, it's kind of a good, 
you know, we see this, like I said, we see this with some of the other vaccines where we kind of do that, that pattern. So that's what they're kind of seeing is that if we give people that third shot, six months, eight months, nine months after their first shots, uh, that we're seeing this bigger spike in the antibodies. Um, and that may, and that hopefully will give people a little bit of extra protection um, in terms of actually, you know, contracting uh, COVID or, or spreading COVID. Uh, there's still, again, this is a dynamic thing. This is changing. Um, right. Delta, again, De- Delta has definitely thrown a wrench um, into this. I mean, I think, you know, uh, two or three months ago, you know, there was a lot of really bright doctors who I was, you know, I follow and I, I listen to what they say, and they really felt that, hey, we weren't going to need the boosters. But I think once we started to see some of these breakthrough cases, that's when people started changing their mind. There's some really good research being done out of Israel looking at this. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think I, I think we are going to see some boosters coming up here. Uh, or, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be seeing it. And like I said, I'm sort of uh, eagerly waiting some of the data, you know, from, from some of the groups that really look at this. And do you think that um, that we will eventually need an annual COVID vaccine, just like the flu shot is available? So I have a quote on my desk. There's a really famous old, uh, he's now passed away, but one of the sort of founding fathers of primary care research, this guy, Kerr White. And one of his quotes was, it's, it's dangerous to make predictions, especially about the future. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, I, it's been sitting, I, literally, I've had this, I, there's a bunch of his quotes, but that's one of the ones. And it's been on my desk for probably 25 years now. Uh, and I was looking at that the other day. You know, my answer to this is, I don't think we know yet. I, I think it, it yeah. again, I mean, yeah. and, and when people asked me this a few months ago, I was sort of thinking that we weren't going to need boosters because, yeah. you know, the vaccines, the vaccines do give us really, there's these, besides your antibodies, we have these things called B cells and T cells, which are white blood cells that help you fight infections. And the B cell and T cell responses from two shots is still really good. You know, I, 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 but I think we just don't know what's going to happen with the variants. We just don't know, um, you know, how severe, you know, uh, COVID's going to be for people. So at this point, yeah, I've, I've given up making predictions. Yeah. But one thing we do know is that the vaccine is that you have a better chance of surviving COVID if you get the vaccine. Right. And, and I think that's the thing that we are really just still trying to get out to people um, you know, mm-hmm. I know physicians who have been vaccinated that have gotten COVID. Um, you know, I've had patients who, who have been vaccinated. I mean, we actually had uh, one of our first breakthrough cases of COVID was a, uh, it was a woman who was 90 years old. And, um, you know, I actually had her come into my We've been trying to take care of COVID patients outside of our office because we don't want to spread it to other patients. We actually mm-hmm. had her come into my office. It was on a Friday afternoon. She was one of the last patients of the day. I didn't think she had COVID. I thought she had allergies. Um, and we did a mm-hmm. COVID test and it was positive. And it's, mm. it's like you were saying, I think at age, you know, at first I was very upset. I was kind of depressed. I mean, I was frankly depressed. I'm like, oh my God, we vaccinated her and she still got COVID. But as many mm-hmm. of my friends pointed out, you know, the more the mortality of her getting COVID at age 90, it's, it's, you know, if you look at the data, she probably has a five to ten percent chance of dying of COVID at that age. Right. And she was, and she was still active. She's been, you know, 
exercising mm-hmm. and doing other things. So, I mean, she had an incredibly mild case, and I think that's because of the vaccine. Yeah. Let's talk about the uh, tests a little bit. These that you can, there are tests, at home tests now that you can purchase, and I understand you can even get them in some, uh, like a Walgreens or a CVS. Are those tests accurate enough that someone, if they tested negative, would believe they don't have it? So I think you need to, the answer is with everything, it depends. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think if someone is having, uh, there's a big difference in using those tests in people who have symptoms and who don't have symptoms. And I think that Mm -hmm. there's also probably some variability in those tests in people who have been exposed to COVID and who haven't been exposed to COVID. So, you know, and and I don't want to get too sort of uh, mathematical, but we have these various things where we look at, there's something called Bayes' theorem and positive predictive value. And these are all things that physicians and epidemiologists, we like to talk about. But essentially with something like that is, you know, if I have someone come in and they're uh, having symptoms, they're having a fever, they're having a cough, they've been exposed to someone with COVID, you know, if you do one of the Abbott Binax Now tests, which are the ones that are over the counter, and that's positive, I think that's basically saying, yes, you know that this is going to be positive. And I would almost argue at that point, you don't, you don't even need to go do the, the, the PCR test, which is the more, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that, that's the right. more expensive one with the longer turnaround. Um, that if you're, mm-hmm. you know, if, 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 if you've been exposed, you're having symptoms, you do a Binax Now test and it's positive there's a good, good chance that, that that's what COVID is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now if that test comes back negative, you know, that's where I might still go do a PCR test just to confirm that, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of say, Hey, is that, was that a false negative or was, you know, uh, or what was going on with that? So I, I think that they can be helpful. Um, I, I, I've used them. Um, they used a lot of Bimax now tests. Uh, that I can, one of my friends uh, or a couple of my friends work with the, the University of Nevada sports medicine program. Um, and they were using the Abbott Binax now test on all their athletes. Um, and interestingly, they found very, and again, they're using a different population. These are kids who aren't sick. They're not having any symptoms. Um, so they were really looking for a negative test to reassure them. And it was interesting. They found very, very few false positives, and they did thousands and thousands of tests over the school year last year. They found very, very few false positives uh, in that college age population. So they really felt like it was a good test for them to to make sure that kids didn't have COVID. Yeah. Do you think the Pfizer was approved today, full approval? Do you think that Moderna's next, and then do you think it'll be Johnson and Johnson? that uh, will get approved? Yeah, I think that's probably how it'll play out because that's how they all, you know, that's how they got approved. Um, You know, Moderna got their EUA, I think, a week after Pfizer. Um, I don't know if the full Moderna approval will be in a week. Um, I I haven't seen that. But my guess is with Mm -hmm. Moderna, we'll probably see a full approval for adults, you know, probably in the next, I'm going to probably guess four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'll see that. And then I think we'll see the, the, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, um, mm-hmm. a little bit after that for sure. Mm-hmm. So what would you like to say to people to, 
encourage them to get vaccinated, Dr. Pasternak. I mean, it, it, you know, we're they're getting full approval. Um, for whatever reason, people haven't been vaccinated. We know that unvaccinated people have a greater risk of getting really sick or even dying and also of getting their family members sick. But what else can we say to the unvaccinated to uh, support them moving over into getting a vaccine? Again, I think the biggest thing I'm telling people is go, don't listen to me, don't listen to anybody on television, don't listen to anybody on the internet. Go to your primary care doctor, find your family physician, your pediatrician, your internal medicine doctor, and talk with them and have a honest discussion and listen to what they say. You know, we have a really good group of, of physicians in our community. And, you know, I can tell you, not, you know, nationwide, you know, we're seeing numbers of 96% of physicians have been vaccinated. Here in Reno, I don't personally know of a physician who has not been vaccinated. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the physicians have, have confidence in this. Um, we want people to trust their primary care physicians. And, you know, the, the, the physicians in our community are, they've been looking at this, they've been studying it, they've been researching it on their own. Um, and so, you know, if people have questions, please talk with them. And, you know, it, it is frustrating as a primary care physician. I have patients who come in who I don't want to say that they're telling me I'm wrong, but they, you know, they, they are quoting information or quoting sources. And I try to explain to them, that's not a legitimate source or, I can hear what that person's saying, but here, here are the flaws in their scientific logic. Um, you know, we are here to help people. Uh, we are here to try to get the best advice to people. So if people have issues, you know, if they have questions, please go talk to your, your, your physicians. If you don't have a physician, find a physician. You can talk to me. Um, you know, and I think the other, the other thing that I still see as a sticking point, which I'm trying to reassure people about, is a lot of people feel like we still don't have good data on the long-term side effects of these vaccines. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, what I'm telling people is we're, we're you know, the, the, the people who signed up for the treatment trials are now, they're about a year out from when they've gotten the vaccine. These people are still being monitored. They're still part, you know, it wasn't like the studies stopped. Uh, these studies have been ongoing. Um, I think we'll probably see some information in the CDC data um, but, you know, we're, the, comp the drug companies, the CDC, the FDA, and all these other organizations throughout the world, it's, you know, I, it's not just our country. We're seeing these vaccines across the world. We're not seeing long-term side effects of the vaccine nine months out, a year out. So, you know, and, and, and in general, and we've been saying this from day one, we really don't see long-term side effects from vaccines more than, you know, two to three months after the vaccine, three months maximum after a vaccine. So I know there's a, that's one of the big sticking points. People are still worried about the long-term side effects. Um, but, you know, we're not seeing them. Uh, and, you know, I think the likelihood of us seeing long-term side effects is incredibly low. I think that's a good way to, to close this podcast, Dr. Pasternak, is with your uh, knowledgeable and impassioned plea for people to get the vaccine. We've been talking today about COVID-19 and it's specifically about the Delta variant with Dr. Andy Pasternak, a local primary care physician with Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine. As always, thank you, Dr. Pasternak, for being a guest on the show. Great, thank you.
Yes, and we will uh, come back in a few weeks as soon as you and I settle on a date and get back to that topic of Alzheimer's and dementia. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, I ditto Dr. Pasternak. Please get the vaccine. If you would like to listen to other podcasts, please go to accesstohealthcare.org slash podcast. And again, thank you for listening.